0: Hey guys, welcome to Electronic Dance Money, your number one business resource for making money as electronic musicians and producers. Hello, what's up everyone? you guys are doing well today wherever you're at things are starting to open up again things are looking up things are looking bright super excited and we're going to be jumping into this next episode so the last episode i was talking about we were going to be diving into promoting your service-based business and the the service-based business we're specifically talking about was teaching coaching however I felt like I could do a little bit more with this episode and a little bit more with the series in general. And so what we're going to be talking about today is general marketing stuff, uh, how to market your service based business. Now workshops doing workshops is going to be included in that because the types of services that many of us either currently provide or want to provide in the future will be high value premium products. Uh, and service ser- mostly services, I should say. And so, with that, like what we were talking about before, when you're doing direct to market advertising, it doesn't work out too well when you have a product that is or a service that is worth three hundred dollars. can't really just send people somewhere to to purchase that. So you have to ease them in and gain their trust. So essentially, we're we are going to be talking about that, but the overlaying topic of this. The overlying topic of this episode is going to be specifically about just pure marketing. So we're going to get into first exactly what is marketing, and then we're going to break down the three most common marketing formats for you to utilize. All right, so let's get started. What the hell is marketing? Marketing seems to be this kind of very vague term that a lot of people use for different meanings, there's content marketing, there's advertising marketing, there's email marketing, there's a whole plethora of different ways you can actually market to people. So let's just break down exactly what marketing is. So the goal of marketing, and this is where a lot of people fail and kind of fall short of what marketing really is. The goal of marketing is not to directly sell a product or a service. That's just a symptom of good marketing. The goal of marketing is to find out what it is that your target market reacts to in the way that you want them to. So they they take an action with good marketing when you're marketing in the right format at the right place. So you have to essentially find out where that is and what that is. This is why I talk about a lot of different ways to do marketing. Um we've talked about email marketing in the past. We've briefly touched on advertising and we're going to get into that a little bit more today. I mentioned in the past there's there's workshops. Uh we're also going to be digging into that today as well. There's podcasts for marketing again, another episode we just talked about a few weeks ago. So, you have to figure out where it is your target market consumes your marketing materials that gets them to make an action that you want them to make. And in turn of that, you know, the symptom of that is going to be you actually either selling more of your service or selling more of your product. So with that in mind, you may need to do some additional testing on finding out like what, what's the best way to sell your service or your product. Now I'll say with teaching and coaching, the best thing is probably going to be something like a workshop. Again, that's a very high tier, high premium price product and essentially just a service. But the, the service is the product. So when I mention products, I don't mean usually most of the time when we're talking in this episode, I don't mean a physical thing like how we were talking about a mug. You can do direct to market selling with a mug, a Mother's Day labeled mug. That's easy to do direct to market uh, advertising on. I'm talking that is a physical product. When I'm talking about services here. This is a service based business. The product is the service itself. So, if I say product or I say service, don't get the two conflated. They're one in the same, the same thing. Uh, when we're going through this entire episode talking about that sort of stuff. So, you may, depending on again what your service is, let's take my current business, for instance, with mixing and mastering. And I talked about this in the last episode. And when we were talking about content marketing, you know, using YouTube. That is probably the best way to gain the most trust and get the most amount of leads is probably through creating YouTube content, teaching the things I know when it comes to mixing, mastering, using a compressor, using reverb, uh, processing, actually writing songs and writing, designing your own sounds. Like these are all things that I could use GoGiver marketing on to create videos, build trust and market my services all within the same platform. That is probably where I want to be. So why am I not there? Well, I'm not there because I'm doing this right now with you guys. This is all that my time. This is all that I have time to do uh, at my current stage. So and this is what I like doing more than creating and editing videos. Honestly, I hate editing and I'll probably hire someone to do that. Whatever your service or your product ends up being, you need to find out, is it YouTube I should be on? Should I be doing direct market advertising? Should I be getting people on email list? How does your target market respond to the different marketing formats that you put in place and the different testing you do? You have to find what works well and capitalize on that. Now, with great marketing comes good testing. You need to test everything. I've talked about this plenty of times. We talked about this in the episode with Brian Hood, and we were talking about websites. Test, 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 split test everything, especially copy. And that's going to be very, very important as we get into uh, the next parts of this episode. Because when you look at the bare bones of everything that we're going to be talking about in terms of like the different marketing formats that you can use, they all involve really strong and good copy that people respond to and want to want to make the action that you're wanting them to take. If you don't have good copy, they're not going to take the action you want them to take. So that's going to become extremely important as we dive into that a little bit more. Now, with that being said, let's go ahead and dive into the three most common marketing formats that you're going to see generally when we're talking about the services and products that we're talking about, especially within our industry. So the first one is what I've talked about in the past, and I have not dove into as deep of a subject as some of you may wish I have. So, and this is actually going to apply to even the producers who just have a song that they're trying to promote. This will apply to you, okay? So let's talk about the first one, which is gonna be PPC advertising or pay-per-click advertising. This is all of your social media ads. This is YouTube ads. Um, if you go on to a lot of blogs, you'll see the banners up on the top or even the left or on the bottom for different product advertisements. That's PPC ads, uh, Google ads. When you, you know, if you make a Google search for a service or a product or sometimes even a question, you'll see at the very top sponsored ads, those are PPC ads. So it's, pay-per-click ad. When someone clicks on the ad, the business that is running the PPC campaign is paying for that click. They're paying for you to click on the ad itself. They're not paying you, they're paying Google, they're paying Facebook, they're paying whoever is hosting the advertisement on their website. But essentially, it's getting someone to click on an ad. That's, That's really, to dumb it down, that's all PPC is. Now, there's multiple different ways to target an audience with PPC campaigns. Um, with Facebook, you do a lot of target audience. Uh, cre- so you like create these different audiences within Facebook's advertising platform. I'm sure many of you have probably tried testing this out. And so you pick all of your demographics, age, gender, um, location, what their interests are. And it kind of pools all these people together using Facebook's algorithm. And then that's how your ad reaches a specific target audience. Now with Google ads, it's a little bit different. Google ads, you're actually doing keyword uh, research and applying keywords to your entire Google ads campaign. And with keywords, it's essentially, you've got multiple different formats of structuring those keywords. You could do what's called phrase match, so you can almost basically type out a sentence um, or a common phrase that's a few words long, and people, if they search a specific topic, and you're you have some keywords in that phrase that would suggest to Google's al- algorithm that when someone searches for a certain thing, that will pop up. So if I, you know, if my keyword phrase is EDM mixing and mastering, and someone searches how to mix and master EDM, that ad will probably pop up because I have a significant amount of keywords within that phrase that someone searched. Now you could also do just individual keywords themselves. So you could just do EDM, though that's very, very broad. So you're gonna get a large audience clicking on your ad that probably aren't relevant. And so this is where negative keywords really come into play when you're talking about keyword research and using keywords for advertising platforms is you can both apply keywords that you want to be searched that you, that you want your ad to be searched on, or you can apply, which is even more significant and the most important aspect of actually launching a PPC campaign through Google ads, which is negative keywords. What words do you not want your ad to pop up in and your negative keyword list is almost always three, four, even five times longer than what your keywords are that you want your ad to actually show up in because you want to make sure you get out, you cut all the fat, trim all the fat. You don't want anyone clicking on your ads and spending your money who has nothing to do with your service or your product, who's not going to convert at all and waste time on your website and possibly even screws up your analytics um, as well. So negative keywords, when we're talking about Google ads campaigns, if you guys decide to jump into that, by all means, go for it. Just be ready to pay a stupidity tax because you didn't do something right. And you have to pay for that. Make sure. By all means, the most important thing you're paying attention to are the negative keywords, and that you're continuously updating that list when you see a search query or a search term that someone searched that clicked on your ad that is not related to your product. A lot of the times, what I'll get uh, when I start new campaigns for mixing and mastering is people searching like EDM mix 2018, like they're they're literally looking for a DJ mix. That's not my target audience. That is not at all who I want. So I have to. Be very specific with my negative keywords to cut that audience out so they no longer click on my ads. There's a great book by Perry Marshall called um, The Ultimate Guide to Google AdWords. And I think we mentioned it in the ep- in episode 50 with Chris Graham when we were talking about mental health. But he's got a second book as well, The Ultimate Guide to Facebook Ads. Now, The thing about like, those are great. I think they're great resources to read. There's a lot of good content in there in terms of just like learning how to write copy, effective copy, knowing how to split test some things. However, and and same with Facebook ads, the issue with these platforms like Facebook and Google, and I'm gonna get into this in just a minute. The issue with those platforms is the sheer fact that they're so big and they change so much it's very difficult to keep up on, keep up with it, unless you're like constantly paying attention to this sort of thing. So you have to be, when, when you're running ads, you need to be on top of researching what's new and what's coming on the platform. And here's a little insight into why that's important. So if most of you don't know already, the new iOS 14 update for iPhones, Put in a new security update to stop people from tracking data. Now, a lot of people are very happy about this security update. I'm torn between it. I think it's important to have control over your data. I think it is nice that they're giving people the option to be track, have their data tracked by, you know, applications like Facebook um, or Instagram, TikTok. However the downside to it it is is that it's really destroying small businesses because a lot of small businesses rely on Facebook ads to track data from their audience and website visitors to do retargeting, remarketing, um, retarget marketing. And that is now being eliminated with that update if people choose to eliminate that data. So what does this mean? Well, basically, now if you have an iPhone, when you go to a website, you'll get the option, almost like the cookies thing, or like, "Hey, we accept cookies here or decline cookies," uh, you now get the option to block your data from being tracked on a website. Now when you have a Facebook pixel set up, and we've talked about Facebook pixels in the past, especially about websites when you have a Facebook pixel set up, that is tracking users that visit your website, whether on mobile. Or desktop. And if you're, it pulls them into your business Facebook account and your marketing and your, your Facebook ads account, essentially. And it tracks those people for a certain amount of time. Usually it's up to about 180 days, which is six months. And so what that allows people to do is what I was talking about retarget marketing or uh, remarketing to people, which means. I can create a custom audience on Facebook for any of my website visitors within the the last 180 days. So I know if someone went to my website and spent a certain amount of time, let's say, that they're probably my target market. They are my audience. I need to market to them. I've got a product I want to show them. I've got free content I want to give directly to them. It used to be that I could just set up an ad like that and it would immediately get in front of those people. However, if you click that you decline to have your data tracked now with those iPhones um, or you even check it in your settings that you don't want to be tracked, I can no longer get that data from iPhone users. And that's a lot of audio. That's like a majority of people have iPhones. So that now eliminates a significant amount of people that I'm tracking and can actually retarget to. So This has caused a damper on things. Um, Facebook has now implemented, and we're gonna get very, very nerdy in the technical stuff with this. Um, Facebook has now created a whole new tracking system where you can, essentially, you can only track one person once when they click through to your website for a conversion. So if they make an action. So and you have up to like eight different conversions that you can track and you have what's called a seven day click through window on that. It used to be up to, I think, about 28 days for a click through window. And essentially what that means is you have up to the that that specific amount of days to get all of your conversions in. So if I have a sales funnel with up to four different conversions and I currently do with my email marketing campaign to get people to sign up with a free mixing checklist. And then within that, I'm trying to get people to sign up for a workshop. And then I've got um, people sign up for a one on one mix critique and then additional conversion. So there's four different conversions that I'm wanting Facebook to track. Now, it used to be I have up to 28 days for someone to complete all those. Now I have seven days. If someone converts by getting the free checklist and then sign up for the workshop and then saying for the one-on-one mix critique is on day eight that doesn't get tracked. So they made it through the funnel. I want them to make, but Facebook can't track that anymore. So it's like that there's just not enough data anymore. There's not a lot of data. It's very, we're, we're kind of being choked out on that data. So these are the things that you really need to pay attention to with uh, these marketing platforms. Google ads just removed a really significant keyword type which completely changed the way ads are ran now. So there's there's a lot of changes currently happening happening with these PPC campaigns. Now, the reason why I've said I was saying previously too for you producers, why you can be paying attention to PPC campaigns and why they might be significant is I think I've mentioned this in the past, promoting your tracks in cities, that you want you want to start playing shows in so you can start building up a following in that city you can also use this for getting people on your email marketing list sending out free tracks um there's there's a lot of ways that you can utilize ppc campaigns as just producers for singles that you're putting out or even albums or if you're doing merch like there's ways to do this So this isn't specifically just for service based businesses. Now where Google ads can get tricky, especially is if you're in a very niche audience um, or, or I guess industry and you don't have a lot of keywords that you can use because then you're just not going to get a lot of traffic and you could potentially be wasting your time. So that's where like, if Google ads doesn't work, there might be a space for you with social media ads in terms of Facebook marketing and running ads on that platform, and same with Instagram. Now, the issue with Facebook and social media ads is they're what we call interruptive ads. So you're quite literally interrupting someone's entertaining news feed. So that is something to keep in mind where if you can make engaging, great content for your ads, you're more likely to seem less interruptive and people will interact with your ads more than not or I should say interact with your ads even more so in a more positive light than a negative one. Also with Facebook ads and social media ads, like we were talking about in the last episode, a lot of what that, a lot of, a lot of Facebook ads, social media ads are direct to market advertising. So we talked about this in the last episode, but I'll go over it again. If you have a real, this is the, the mug idea that I brought up. If you have a mug, it's labeled a Mother's Day mug that costs $20. That's a really easy product to sell on Facebook directly to a broad audience. They can just click on it, go to the shopping cart, add it, and then pay for it. It's like a really straightforward process and it doesn't cost a lot. So it's going to sell more than if you are selling, let's say, a course And you just a $300 course and you just send someone to your website with a cart for them to purchase that $300 product that they have no idea who you are. They don't know if it's going to work. There's there's a lot of there's trust that needs to be established before we can get to that point. And that's what we're going to start talking about in just a minute now. Going back to that iOS 14 update that we were talking about making advertising more difficult. One of the it's more difficult to now do retargeting advertising. But what you can continue to do is run Facebook video ads and you actually get data from that to then retarget uh, to that audience if they watch a certain percentage of the video or watch up to a certain second of the video. So. You still have that benefit on your side where you can still retarget within the platform itself, but you can't retarget from your website anymore or you still can. It's just you're not getting quite as much accurate data as you would hope. So running videos are probably the best way to go when it comes to actually running Facebook ads. All right, so let's dive into the next topic, which is going to be email marketing. This is the second most common marketing format that you're gonna find out on the internet. Now, I've done a number of episodes on email marketing. I specifically had a two-part series back in, had to have been about a year ago now. I'll link those episodes. I think it was like episode 22 and 23, maybe 21 and 22. I'll link those in the show notes. but Email marketing is, with just about any business, giving you the opportunity to use go-giver marketing. Now, what if you're listening to this episode for the first time, or listening to this show essentially for the first time, or haven't gone in the back catalog, go-giver marketing is this theory of business that is based off of this book called The Go-Giver, and it's all about just essentially giving with no expectations in return and giving away everything that you possibly can. Now, what does this mean? This essentially means like giving away great free content to people and helping others out without any expectation, because usually that karma-like effect does come back to play play a part in your business. And I can attest that this works 100%. This is how I run my business. It's why I have this podcast. And this prod- podcast itself has brought me a number of um, different clients. So GoGiver marketing is one of the best things to apply. Now, we had Björgvin Benedikson on a few episodes ago to talk about his book, You Get What You Give, which is essentially the same business model of the GoGiver method, but for music studios. So I'll link both those books. Strongly suggest you get what you give since it's the book is built within our industry of music, the music industry, and you'll actually be supporting someone who's a guest of this show. So check out that book. One hundred percent worth it. Um, I've read it a couple of times and it's it's just it's fantastic. So email marketing gives you that opportunity to. Teach valuable skills and lessons while still promoting whatever product or service it is that you're trying to sell. So, you gain that trust that you need to get when you're selling a high premium product to people within this whole email marketing format. MailChimp is one of the best email marketing services that you can use for this specific type of marketing in terms of the sales funnels. Now I will say I think active campaigns um another really awesome one I think you can automate email marketing in that as well but I know Mailchimp just came out with a new service for their paid subscription that you can completely automate an entire series so my current email marketing campaign for my workshop has this massive web of emails of like over 90 different emails that could possibly be sent depending on what you do so if you don't open up a certain email that within a couple of days, then you'll get sent a follow up email for that previous one. And then if you open that one up, then you'll go down a web like and it kind of branches out sending all these different follow up emails if you don't open specific ones and sends you down a very specific path. So it's a really nice, unique tool that you can automate and it just runs everything in the background. And if you can get a high converting ad to get people signed up on your email marketing list, then it just runs itself it it's a really fantastic um setup so this is the other thing when it comes to actual actually running let's say facebook ads you can do that direct to market advertising when you're getting someone to sign up for an email list because you should be offering a specific free source or product whatever it is to get people signed up it's a lead generator Um, to get people signed up on your email marketing list. So you have to find out what is your lead generator? What is going to start collecting leads to get into the sales funnel to then get to your service or product at the end of the day that you're going to then pitch to them? So for me, it was a mixing checklist. You get this mixing checklist and then in the email campaign, we go over that mixing checklist uh, step by step each one of the steps in that mixing checklist over a number of days Um, and at the bottom of every email you'll see though i'm still promoting my service so the very last email you'll get in that entire series is the email for the actual service itself uh but Previous to that, I'm still promoting the service at the bottom saying, hey, by the way, if you want to learn more about this topic, I've got a workshop. And this is in case anyone doesn't get to that last email, at least I'm still putting that out there. If they read it, they know about it. If they want to join it, they can right away. Um, But ultimately, at the end of the day, they will get the last email, which is promoting that workshop for them to join for, again, additionally free. Because what I'm selling is a high tier product And I really need to build that trust. So those emails are building the trust. The workshop, they get to hear me and me teaching a live lesson and and answering their questions. So they get a more personal one-on-one experience and building that trust even more. And then I go into a one-on-one mix critique with them where they get personal time with me for about 20 minutes, meet me face-to-face, where I can then pitch my services even further. The, the key, though, when we're talking about this email marketing campaign, um, whatever, whatever type of email marketing campaign you're going to be running, the key thing about it is that you need to make sure you're getting the right target audience within the funnel. If you don't have the right audience, it's all going to be wasted and you're going to be sitting there going, why isn't anyone signing up? Because you don't have the right audience uh, in that actual funnel. You need to make sure, and this co- goes back to your Facebook targeting, uh, make sure you're targeting the right people. You know, you don't want to be target if you're, let's say, doing teaching and coaching for EDM producers. You don't want alternative rock bands to sign up on the email list and start getting your emails or sign up for the workshop. That just doesn't work. All right the third and final format that we're going to be talking about, which is the 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 one that I've been alluding to this whole time, which is workshops. I mentioned it in the last episode, so let's dive into workshops right now. The key thing about workshops. Above all else. Is it gives you the opportunity of both providing value like we were talking about with email marketing, but also gaining that immediate trust. When you're teaching a thorough topic to someone in an hour where you're speaking to them one-on-one, you're answering their questions, they get to see you, hear you, and learn about what you're a professional in, that instantly gains their trust. You're getting that trust that you need in order to sell that product to them or that service. There's a fine line you need to ride between being able to market this product and service and not being too salesy or you, you don't want to sound like a used car salesman. There's an art form to this. So um, the best thing you can do is do some research on the best way of setting up workshops. But we're going to be talking about what you need to have in a workshop, almost like a template for a workshop a majority of workshops are primarily used to teach a lesson about a a bigger topic. So they take a smaller portion of that um, bigger topic. They teach that as free content. Usually it's the best piece because it provides the most value and in turn giving instantly getting that trust. But essentially they're mostly used for selling high tier premium products. Like we've talked about things that cost up words of like one to two thousand dollars you would want to get their trust within that workshop and show you know what the hell you're talking about and you're the best person for for them or whatever product you've created is the best thing for them because of a b or c this is why you'll see a ton of like works or i should say courses that are built around workshops or i should say workshops are built around courses at the end of most workshops you'll get sold a course and usually it's like half off on the course because you attended the workshop because they're trying to get that sale immediately. So let's talk about if you're creating a workshop, what should be included in that workshop itself? This is a general workshop template. I definitely suggest if you guys are running a workshop, do some research on it. Um, it it'll help you out significantly, but this is essentially how my workshop is set up and, it's set up by doing research and learning from others who have ran workshops so the first thing you're going to want is essentially an introduction of what the workshop is about who is it for who is it not for Um, why are you running this workshop and usually the content in the workshop needs to be something of high 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 value that you're willing to give away for free that people at the end of the day are like, This is amazing. What more do they have? You want people to leave the workshop thinking, If that was his free product, what the hell is behind the paywall? That's the key. Because if you can get people asking that question, they will have no thoughts on what the price is. They want whatever it is that you're selling. Along with that, after the introduction, you have to have an about section explaining who you are, what you do, and your credentials. There needs to be some backup behind who you are you need to be able to say with confidence you know what the hell you're talking about and you have some credentials that can back that up if you don't have any credentials then you really need to double down on killing anyone's doubts and like really just teaching something extremely valuable until you can get those significant credentials um a lot, like some of my credentials both come from the people that I know and I've worked with and also my reviews. So if you can kind of, and the reviews help back up my credentials because I don't have a crazy amount of them. I've got a couple of very significant people that I've worked with personally and have done work for. uh, And so to reinforce that even further, I show, okay, look at these people who have given me high ratings that love the service that I've provided. So it kind of adds some reinforcement and it kills the doubt that they may have in me. And so this is going into the third part of that, which is you need to kill any doubts, destroy them. If they have any objections, you need to upfront put those out before you get started in the actual content. And they're either gonna have doubts or objections about the content of the workshop or who you are and so those credentials should kill those doubts right away but then you can back that up afterwards of saying like like essentially killing the doubts further with whatever slides you're using um additionally they may have some doubts about their own ability to either do whatever it is that you're saying or get the product or the service that you're talking about so You have to figure out how to kill these objections and kill these doubts. The sooner you can kill those, the the longer they're going to stay in the workshop and the more likely they are going to actually gain your trust. And at the end of the day, make whatever call to action that you have at the end of the workshop. Now, going into the fourth part of the actual workshop itself, you have the content, the lesson, the bulk of it. This is where you're teaching whatever the hell it is you're teaching, and this is where you're gaining a lot of that trust and providing a ton of that value. Once you're done with that lesson, go into actually giving them a call to action. Remember what we talked about with Brian Hood as well. Always have one call to action. Don't say, go follow me and go to my website follow a quote request form and you can also purchase this here. No, 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 no. One single call to action. For me, go sign up for this one-on-one mixed critique. I'm going to sit with you one-on-one Listen to your track and tell you what you need to work on in your mix. So find out what you're called. To, if you're selling a course, it's to go purchase that course, maybe for a discount. If you're teaching and coaching, it's to go sign up for them to do teaching and coaching. Or maybe you're gonna do a free consultation for teaching and coaching with them where you're gonna the first hour is free. So you have to have this call to action at the end. And then once you have that call to action, you've put everything in place. Start a Q&A, start talking to people and answering any questions they may have to then build that trust even further and get them to make that call to action. Zoom has a new workshop feature, too. I think that was started like last year or something. You can do workshops within Zoom, though I think Demio is better. D-E-M-I-O dot I-O. Uh, Demio is fantastic. That's what I use for my workshops. It's or sorry, I think it's D E M I O dot com. That'll be in the show notes. But Demio is fantastic because it's built just for workshops and webinars. Um, One of the best resources I, I would suggest using is Demio. Very straightforward, easy to use and really high quality, especially when you're getting people to sign up. So when we go over everything we've talked about, and we review it all, we actually have a very clear sales funnel set up here that you can start to utilize. So you can start setting up either advertisements for people to sign up on your email marketing campaign and then promote your workshop in that email marketing campaign to then build trust further. The issue here is that the sales funnel is much longer. It takes a lot longer for people to go through the funnel. Or again, you could do direct-to-market advertising with just to get people to sign up on your workshop. Again, that's still free content, valuable free content that people might want to go just immediately go sign up for this free workshop. That's the best way to market your service-based business if it's a high-premium product like mixing and mastering or possibly even teaching, coaching a course Uh, A majority of what we do is going to be a high premium product. And so we need to we need to market that as such. A sound pack is not going to be high premium product. That's probably around 30, 40, maybe 50 dollars that you can sell direct to market straight to a cart that someone can fill up. Um, But when we're talking about these specific services uh, that we're talking about in this episode, in the last episode, but, you know, with teaching and coaching. The workshop going to be the best way and doing these different uh, sales funnels with either just an ad running to the workshop or an ad running to the email marketing campaign. The, and then the email marketing campaign ultimately leading to someone signing up on the workshop and then either then booking something with you after that workshop. That's going to be the best route to go. When I talked about testing at the beginning being the best thing for marketing, this is what I'm talking about here. Test everything. You can test the different call to action at the end of your workshop. Do they either sign up for a free 20 minute consultation or do you immediately try to get them booked then and there? Um, If you try to get them booked then and there, the sales call stuff might be a little bit different. But later on selling, and we'll talk about that with specifically like my one on one mix critique, we'll talk about what that looks like actually running a sales script in a sales call, uh, how you can sell without sounding like you're selling. There's an art form to that, and we're going to get into that, but you need to be testing the different ad copy, or sorry, you need to be testing the different copy in your email marketing campaigns on your ads on your workshop sign-up page, um, even within the workshop itself, test how you can write different things, add different images, do different things to get people to be more attracted to whatever it is you're promoting or marketing and want to engage with that content more than they previously were or others previously were. So that is it for today's episode about marketing. In the next episode, we're going to be going into sales. We're going to be talking about actually selling. We're going to be talking about sales calls um, and how to sell your product without sounding like a used car salesman, because that's not what we want to do. I'm sure all of you can't imagine you ever doing that, and it sounds horrible. And so that's why I'm going to teach you how to kill the sell, how to destroy sales, get really, really, really good at selling and not sounding like a used car salesman. So that will be the third part of the series, and I think it's going to wrap it all up, and you'll have the perfect platform of how to set up your service-based business, market that business, and how to actually sell it to um, to someone as a product. Thanks for hanging out today, guys. If you wanna check out my workshop, head to audio.com slash workshop. I'll also have all of the show notes with all of the links to everything we talked about at EnviousAudio.com episode 54. Oh my God, I can't believe we're at episode 54 already. This is fucking crazy, guys. Thanks for hanging out with me. I appreciate you being here along for the ride. The show has grown so much and it continues to grow. And I can't wait for the next episode, episode 55. We're going to be getting into sales. I'll talk to you guys later.